This podcast is brought to you by NAB. More than money. Welcome to Property Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks the hot topics of property and explores how they affect you. I'm your host, Alice Stoltz. This episode, Dr. Nicola Powell joins us to unpack the results from Domain's house price report for the September quarter. Our resident prestige property expert, Lucy Macken, then takes us through what is arguably Australia's largest private property portfolio, worth over $250 million. And to wrap things up, Sarah and George from The Block join us to chat about the show. Property markets across the country are finding their feet after what has been a tumultuous year. House prices are now back on the rise in most capital cities, with some unit markets also seeing positive signs, according to the latest Domain House Price Report, which was released this week. Joining us to talk through the findings for the September quarter is Domain Senior Research Analyst, Dr. Nicola Powell. Nicola, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me, Alice. Now, Nicola, you've just put out the latest home price report. How have property prices fared over the past three months? They have been remarkably resilient. And actually what we've seen over the last three months is a rebound in most of our capital cities following some falls over that June quarter. Nationally, we saw prices rise for both houses and units over the September quarter. And we are continuing to find that houses are outperforming units. And I think ultimately what we're seeing are buyers are being lured back to the market by low interest rates. There's government tax cuts and there's other incentives at play and obviously the easing of coronavirus restrictions has helped market activity return. But I do think we are seeing a little bit of change in housing preferences post-lockdown, which I think is activating some buyer activity. Nicola, are there certain states that have really outperformed others? Not, not that we're being super competitive here, but I'm always intrigued to know who sort of gets the gold star amongst price growth around the country. Yeah, it's our smaller capital cities. So I would say Adelaide, Canberra, Darwin and Perth, particularly for houses, saw some fairly substantial jumps over the quarter. And I think really our smaller cities will be the winners post COVID-19. I think prices are likely to continue to rise because of those government incentives. We've got an activation, an explosion of first home buyer activity. And there are proposed lending reforms, which could be introduced early next year. And obviously our smaller cities have less exposure to overseas migration. So there's less demand shocks affecting our smaller cities compared to, say, Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. Now, I know that house prices were steady or up across all capital cities, but unit prices are still falling in some cities. What trends are we seeing playing out across these different markets? So we are seeing greater weakness coming from Sydney and Melbourne. We have seen falls in unit prices in Canberra and also Hobart. I think what we find for units, they are more exposed to changes in investment activity. And I think with the rental market highly disrupted, particularly in the CBD areas of Sydney and Melbourne, it's really unlikely to lure investment activity back into those particular markets. It's going to be a while before our rental markets return back to what they were once. And I 
think for investors, they are likely to shy away. Vacancy rates are likely to remain higher in those CBDs. Gross yields are also low and capital gains are weak. But I think for somewhere like Canberra, they did see unit prices fall over the quarter. And I think what we've seen in Canberra is there's been very little change in prices over the last five years for units. And that's because the city has seen such high levels of development, which has really contained those unit prices. How did Melbourne and Sydney fare overall, Nicola? What we did see is a weaker performance coming out of Sydney and Melbourne compared to our other capital cities. There are definitely weaker conditions for units coming out of Sydney and Melbourne. They both fell over the quarter. Sydney houses were up over the quarter, but Melbourne remarkably remained steady considering that the market literally went into hibernation over September. The gold star out of Sydney and Melbourne is definitely houses. And I think that is a trend that we will continue to see is this growth in house prices in these cities. Mm. Nicola, you touched on there that Melbourne was actually quite surprised strong during this quarter in light of the context of being in a stage four lockdown. How do you explain that? So we saw a very significant pullback in buyer and seller activity. And obviously, the September quarter really captures the ramping up of restrictions that Greater Melbourne were experiencing, obviously went to stage three, stage four over that September quarter. And what we found is the stricter the restrictions became, the more pullback we saw in terms of buyer and seller activity. And it's actually that hibernation of the market that has really supported prices and stopped any substantial price falls. I mean, house prices remain stable from June to September, which um, I really think is down to this pullback in activity. But is that kind of a sneak peek then of what might be ahead of the months to come as, you know, these markets do sort of sew themselves back together, in particular in Victoria, but as well as New South Wales, that we may see a dip in growth then when the lights are turned on, I suppose, and, and people are really transacting at a much higher rate? We are already seeing a, a rebound in Melbourne in terms of transactions. And as soon as those restrictions began to ease, we saw a remarkable rebound in, in the volume of new listings coming onto the market in Melbourne. And I expect that to continue. I think what we have seen during that lockdown period is a higher level of pent-up supply and demand. And I also wonder whether we will start to see feed into that activity is actually a change in preference or housing needs post a fairly lengthy lockdown. I think we're all going to be looking at our houses very differently. And I think what that could do is actually fast track some decisions for those living in Melbourne, whether it's a regional move or whether it's an upsize uh, to a larger home with greater space. Nicola, we know how sort of topical sea change and tree changes are at the moment for many people, particularly those who have been, as you said, really rethinking what they want to do around property. How have smaller regional cities fared and are we seeing that trend play out in the data? Definitely. So we are seeing our regional areas outperform their respective cities. This is particularly so for Sydney and Melbourne. It is important to remember that even though we are seeing, I think, a change in housing preferences, particularly with white collar workers being able to work remotely, that means that many buyers can now look further afield. But it is important to note that growth cycles in regional areas were more moderate prior to COVID-19 compared to, say, Sydney and Melbourne. So it was at a different stage of the growth cycle and it was more a moderate pace of growth compared to the cities. Mm. Nicola, just finally, it's obviously been the most 
choppy year that any of us have endured. How are you feeling about the year ahead when it comes to property? If, if you sort of will indulge us with your crystal ball gazing for a little bit, knowing that there are many different outcomes here, but but what 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 is your sort of overriding feeling about what we will see in the next six to twelve months? I think the market so far has been so resilient. You know, there are risks that remain. I think as those home loan holidays and government support packages eventually come to an end, there could be risks of increased distressed selling. If we see any increase in urgent or distressed selling, that's when we have a greater risk to prices. I think demand is obviously going to still take a hit because migration has collapsed, but that's mainly targeted towards uh, Sydney and Melbourne, which are more exposed to overseas migration. But I think the silver lining for me is the discussion around proposed relaxing of lending standards, which could come to fruition early next year, and the fact that there is a prospect of another interest rate cut before the year is out. I think these two things together may encourage people to borrow and that may encourage more market activity and could even support prices in the months ahead. Mm. Okay, Nicola, thank you so much for your time today. It was great talking with you. Thanks for having me. Well, when it comes to the prestige property market, it's not uncommon for well-heeled buyers to own multiple homes within one city. But this appetite for luxury real estate has been taken to a whole new level by billionaire Mike Cannon-Brooks, who has snapped up close to $250 million of real estate in recent years. The co-founder of software giant Atlassian has now amassed what is arguably the country's largest collection of private homes, weekenders and farms for his personal use. Joining us today to talk through his extensive property portfolio is Domain's Prestige Property Editor, Lucy Macken. Lucy, welcome back to Property Unpacked. Hi, Alice. How are you? Oh, I'm great, but I'd probably be happier if I had a $250 million worth of real estate. <laughs> so, Lucy, this is an incredible situation. Basically, what you've discovered is that property records have revealed that Cannonbrook's you know, and all the corporate entities linked to him have purchased almost $250 million worth of real estate. Now, that's a staggering amount. Can you tell us what sort of property portfolio that kind of money actually buys? That's where it gets quite interesting because this is, you know, not to be confused with a set of commercial property portfolio or an investment property portfolio. This is homes. And central to that, of course, is his Fairwater estate. Now, that was $100 million house, effectively, although it is 1.1 hectares of, you know, house on the Point Piper waterfront. It's an extraordinary purchase, an extraordinary home. It was always going to sell for that amount of money. It has always been lauded as the premier house nationwide, I suggest. And it was our first nine-digit sale in Australia. So Mm. if Mike Cannonbrooks wasn't already on the radar of homeowners everywhere, he was when that happened in 2018. But of course, that's not the only home. Although, you know, when you consider a quarter of a billion dollars worth of residential real estate, one of those is the family home. But then you've got to get away on the weekend, don't you? You know, we all need a weekender. (laughs) Alice, God knows I need a weekender. So that's when the options get really interesting. You know, he's got Rose Hill Farm, which is a beautiful Southern Highlands getaway. It's a retreat, but it is a sort of For some, it would be a hobby farm, but it Mm. also, he followed up the purchase of that in 2018 with a real farm in East Kangaloon, and that was for $15 which set a Southern Highlands record as well, or matched the $15 million Southern Highlands record. That was bought from Mark Burroughs, of course. And then, of course, you know, you've got a Palmy Weekender, 
8.7. You've got uh, the more recent purchase for 24.5 million of Jen Hawkins's Newport home, Paloma, as, as it's known, and that's at a Northern Beaches record. So it's effectively lots of places to go to for the weekend. And Lucy, I've got to say, he's got great taste in property, doesn't he? He kind of is buying all the properties that if I had that money, that's what I'd love to buy. I think what's interesting about this is that they are really sort of individual and unique, a collection of properties. And he's not sort of going for necessarily the best investments, if one might say that. And he's obviously sort of led a little bit by the heart on these, would you say? Absolutely. And in fact, I don't know if we give all the credit to Mike or perhaps his wife, you know, even though it's in his name, she may have had a little bit more to do with it. I actually have no idea. But I do know that you're absolutely right. They are beautiful properties. You know, these are really significantly beautiful homes. But I must say, I spoke to a lot of prestige agents for this story and Bill Maloof put it really well. He sort of said, look, he sees inherent value in this real estate going forward. But these sort of homes, because they pull on those emotional heart springs, they're they're very rare, they're very unique in their class. They are only going to accumulate in value. So, you know, he's not going to lose on these. It's just that he can afford to dabble at this level. Now, Lucy, real estate agents must love to see him coming along, but I imagine his purchases also help to instill confidence in the broader prestige market. Is that what agents feel does happen? Absolutely. You don't set so many records, you know, Southern Highlands, Northern Beaches, Australia-wide national records. He set a record in Wallara earlier this year when he bought the former German government's Consul General residence for 18.5 and Centennial Park previously, you know, at $12 million when he bought there in 2015, but but set it again when he sold a few years ago for 16.5. You don't set those sort of records without instilling a real sense of, of confidence, a sort of bottom line. It's, you know, it sets a benchmark for everyone else because it's one thing for these we'll use the case of a Fairwater it's one thing for the Fairfax family to put that up for sale and suggest it's worth a hundred million dollars now you know everyone thinks their house is probably worth a lot more than it is but we know it's worth that now because he mm. paid that you know it re- recalibrates values across the board at that level just as mm. it has for the northern beaches now you know I, mm. I wouldn't give it that long before Palm Beach reclaims the record for the northern beaches and it needs to, you know, put a, a lot of credit at Newport for helping it get there, if it does. Okay. Well, look, Lucy, all I want is for you to promise us that when you, when you hear about the next sale, you do come back and update us because he and Annie have obviously beautiful taste and um, it's an intriguing situation to watch. And good on him for investing that money in Australian property, I think, if nothing else. That's really true. I don't think anyone's begrudging him the stamp duty either. Well, certainly not Gladys. <laughs> Lucy, thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Dynamic duo Sarah and George are representing New South Wales on this year's block. They came onto the show with some solid experience and have finally been rewarded, winning their first room reveal of the season last week. They join us now to chat all things block. Sarah, George, thank you for being here. Hey, Alice. Hey, Alice. How are you thank you for having us. I'm great. Now, I, I love watching you two in action and I'm intrigued to know how the <laughs> idea came about to apply for the show and whose idea it was. I've got a fair idea in my mind whose idea it was. Tell me what happened. <laughs> Look, yeah, I'm definitely. probably the person that was more keen to apply for the show. I applied last year when I was marking year 12 and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to apply, see what happens. And we really just thought, let's give it a go, but we didn't think much of it. And yeah. to our surprise, here we are. Yeah. 
And I never forget, Alice, when we were told we were going to be on the show, if we were told four weeks before and I couldn't sleep. Um, yeah. I was that nervous. And it, and it turns out it was for nothing because I had the best time of my life. So really exciting, actually. Yeah. And I think your passion and the way you handle setbacks and triumphs is so, I don't know, I think it's a really, we're seeing a really lovely side of your of you as a couple, obviously, how you handle that sort of adversity, I suppose. And I, I think it's really lovely and to see your enthusiasm day in, day out is really inspiring. On that note, when the pandemic hit and there was a you know massive U-turn that was going to happen, how did you feel in your minds about that and how hard was that to deal with? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Alice. I think we went home, like, we went home, I'm not going to say disappointed in ourselves, but we were just shattered because, you know, we weren't winning. Not because, you know, winning's everything. It was just because we were like, man, are we good enough to be on this show? Yeah. Like what we're, we're talking about, like people like Jimmy and Tam, you know, and they're winning, and you know, are we are we even on that level? Yeah. And we went home and we just said, you know what? Let's just don't worry about any of that. Let's just go back, just go hard, and we'll be right. You know, it's not that bad. Mm. And we did. We just come back with just this different mentality yeah. and. Stop overthinking it. I just think that we just picked ourselves up. You know, we had, I had a little cry, that's for sure. <laughs> Many tears were shed. <laughs> but, you know, you just pick yourself up and you keep going. And I think that's really just a testament to the whole experience. Mm. And that's so true of sort of people's property journeys in life, isn't it? That so many people accidentally buy the wrong house or do a renovation that ends up being a disaster or biting off more than they can chew and everything. On that note, what have your property journeys been like prior to the show? Oh, good good question. question. Uh, When I was was about 25, I I just met Sarah. I had just bought a place. What, a four-bedroom double-story? Yeah, double-story in Hornet Sea Park. We're close to us. It's a really beautiful family home. Yeah, right. And Sarah, what about you? What's been your property journey like up until now? (laughs) Look, I'm not going to lie, Alice. I literally met George and I just enjoyed his property with him. But in saying that, though, George, not only bought that property, but he used the equity in that property to purchase a home, like a townhouse. A second investment property. Yeah, yeah that was an investment yeah. originally and then we actually renovated that and moved into together. So when we were renovating, that's when I started to chip in. Yeah, well, look, yeah, Sarah, said, you know, I got, I used obviously my name to get the first one and then equity in that. And, um, you know, when we got married, it was our oh, home. Wow. What would your dream home or dream project be like if money were no object going forward after having done what you've done on the block and, and doing a couple of other reno bits beforehand? What would you do next? I fell in love with the heritage homes. I really did and just the character that comes with it. And I truly would love if money was no issue to recreate a home like we did at the block where it had the heritage with the extension. Yeah, you know, that's a massive feel. Unreal. Isn't it? It's yeah. just you see so many of it in Elwood in and it's suburb surrounding and it's just so nice when you're driving through yeah. whereas I feel like when I come home it's the same looking house one after the other and you don't get that unique quality about those beautiful heritage homes yeah everything is a project home so you're doing 300 homes basically all the same and you're, you're basically living on top of each yeah. other you know which is heartbreaking I wish I like if we had no if money was not the limit I'd do that and it would be by the water yeah. I feel uh, for, for me for me Alice I really really appreciate 
a good backyard. <laughs> and if money was no issue, my backyard would be the party zone. Yeah. I want to do a pool. I want to do a barbecue. Yeah. I want to do a wood fire pizza. pizza. I want to do all that. And that would be my dream, to be yeah. honest. If I could do something, you know, I'd buy something with good space in the backyard. and Just and, make it just a sanctuary. Yeah, and entertain us delight. How are you feeling about auction day? Because if you play this right, you could well have that situation where, you know, you can do whatever you want with the blank check after the block auctions. How are you feeling about it from afar? Well, from afar, look, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. Yeah. But in saying that, I don't know, it's because I've built the house myself, you know, and Sarah, but I'm just so confident in what we've built. Such a beautiful home that has so much uniqueness and character to it, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of people search for character in homes. Mate, if we, if we win the block, it therefore changes our oh, lives. Right. Like, you know, we could do anything and it just lies my mind what, what the possibilities could be and, um, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, guys, we're absolutely cheering you on. You're just a joy to watch on TV. You're just lovely, infectiously, wonderfully warm people. So thank you so much for talking to us today and um, I will see you just before the auctions. We love uh, any, Anytime you want us, mate, you just invite us and we'll come back. So anytime, <laughs> my friend. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, thank George. Thanks, Sarah. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Property Unpacked, a podcast by Domain. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe and look out for further episodes dropping every Thursday. If you have your own property story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Or if it's a topic you'd like us to cover, you can email us at propertyunpacked at domain.com.au. This podcast is brought to you by NAB, more than money. This episode was produced by Adrian Lowe, Kate Burke and Danielle Giannopoulos. It was edited and mixed by Dan McHugh. For more property news, advice and market insights, head to domain.com.au. Talk to you next week.